At church, I want to start today by asking you a question. Do you know anyone who's super forgetful? Are you super forgetful? Do you forget things all the time? Let me know if you resonate with any of these hypothetical scenarios that didn't happen to me. You ever have a Zoom call scheduled for the day that you completely forgot about and you get a text at the last minute, are we still on? And you're still in your PJs, your hair's a mess, and you're scrambling to look presentable for the call that you forgot about? Or you ever get an email that you forgot to pay your bill on time? Or how about this one? You ever go to Target for that one thing? You spend hours there, buy a bunch of stuff, spend 185 bucks. You get home and you realize you forgot the one thing that you went there to go get. You know, I'm not very forgetful, but my mom is. And I have a lot of stories about my mom while I was growing up of her leaving her keys in the car. And this was back in the day where you could leave your keys in the car and lock yourself out. You can't really do that these days. But I can't tell you how many AAA trucks are filled in my childhood, how many times we've been locked out of the car. But my dad tells a story about this one time in particular where my mom locked herself out of the car and somehow left the car in neutral and the car began rolling down a hill and she was trying to get in, but she was locked out because her keys were in there and the car ended up hitting another car. You know, I think all of us have had moments of forgetfulness. All of us at some point in our lives have felt like Dory. And you would think that in our day and age that our memories would be sharper than ever. I mean, we have Google Cal, we have alerts and reminders, we have endless access to information on the internet. We literally have an app for everything. And we have a nice woman named Alexa who could help us with anything that we could possibly ever need. Yet, we seem to forget the things that we need to remember And we seem to remember the things that we wish we could forget. 650-692-2007. Not even my phone number. It was my friend Alex's phone number. I don't know why I still remember. I don't even remember my own home phone number, but I remember 650-692-2007. Or what about this? Vater unserem Himmel, geheiligt werde dein Name, dein Reich komme, dein Wille geschehe, wie im Himmel so auf Erden unser tägliches Brot gib uns heute. That is part of the Lord's Prayer in German. I spent four years in German class in high school. That is literally the only thing that I remember in German. Why are our memories so complicated and so confusing? Why can I remember that random phone number? Why can I remember the Lord's Prayer in German, but I cannot for the life of me remember people's names when I first meet them? Come on, can I get an amen? There's this funny story about, um, you know, in college, one of the most stressful times in college ministry are when freshmen come in. And I'm, I'm notoriously bad at remembering people's names when I first meet them. But I remember there was this one particular girl where I just could not for the life of me remember her name. And we went through maybe two or three rounds of me saying, hey, welcome to church. What's your name? My name is Mickey. And she would be like, oh, we've already met before. My name is da-da-da. And for some reason, I just could not retain her name in my memory banks. And I remember around the third or the fourth time, you know, we do this, Christians, we, we try to sneak this slyly in, but when you forget someone's name, they'll be like, hey, Mickey, I'll be like, hey, sister, 
or hey brother in Christ, hey beloved. But I remember for some reason this time she said, hey Mickey. And instead of just saying, you know, hey sister, I said, hey my, my sister. And she's like, you forgot my name again, didn't you? I was like, yeah. And so this happened about three or four times, but it, it came to a, a, a very, very tragic end when we were in a community group setting. And you know, there's only 11 or 12 of us. And you ever sit in a circle and the task or the activity is you got to pray for the person on your left or your right. And so I happened to be sitting next to this girl and I was tasked to pray for her. And so we're going around in a circle. You know, when everyone's praying, they're making a super personal, God, I pray for Alex. I pray that you'd bless him. God, I pray for Hannah that you're, you're blessing your studies. God, I pray for Krista, for this, for that. It got to me and I was so nervous because everyone's listening And so I said, God, I thank you for your precious daughter. I thank you for this amazing sister in Christ. I went through a whole prayer without saying her name once. At the end of it, she came up to me and said, you forgot my name again, huh? I was like, yeah, sister. And so we remember all the things that we wish we could forget. And we forget the things that we wish we could remember. And I think this is true in our spiritual lives as well. Why is it that we always forget that we're complete in Christ, yet we always seem to remember all the things that we're lacking? Why is it that we always forget that we're forgiven and redeemed, yet we always seem to remember our gravest sins and replay them like highlight reels in our head? Why is it that we always forget all the ways that God has moved in our lives, yet we always seem to remember all the times that he didn't? The psalmist says in Psalm 103, 1 through 2, says, Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. There's something about forgetting not his benefits that leads us to a more fulfilled life. What if we could live in remembrance of who God is, of what God has done, and what God can do? What if we could live in remembrance of who we are instead of wavering back and forth between who we were and who we should be? How different would our lives look when everything around us is falling apart? How much more peace would we have remembering that God has already overcome the world? How much more confident would we be remembering that we are crowned with love and compassion, not having to battle our insecurities and constantly comparing ourselves to others? If we were to be honest with ourselves, most of us constantly fall into spiritual amnesia. And at a time where we have more access, more apps, more knowledge, more resources than ever, we find ourselves constantly forgetting what we want to remember and constantly remembering what we wish we could forget. We forget God, we forget His benefits. We forget who we are in Christ. We forget truth in the face of our current circumstances. And the question I want to ask you is this, church. Don't you want to live with more confidence, more love, more joy, more peace, more faith, more hope? I believe the key is living a life of remembrance of God. 
One way that we can do this, one way that we can live a life of remembrance of God is by memorizing scripture. Now, I know right now some of you are triggered. Your traumatic memories of Awana are coming up. Those traumatic memories of all the times you had to memorize Bible verses to eat at youth camp are bubbling to the surface. Nonetheless, whatever your history is with memorizing scripture, I believe there's something so powerful about this discipline. Deuteronomy eleven eighteen, Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. You know, before I got married, I was not much of a jewelry man. But there's something about being married on the other side of that where you just love your wedding ring. And for me, you know, all, a lot of my friends were getting really cheap rings, like buy one, get one free rings for the women. And they, their, their bands would be like 18 bucks. But for me, I wanted a really nice ring that would stand the test of time. And so I chose out this beautiful gold, weathered gold ring. And I love this ring because every time I look at it, it serves as a reminder of the vow that I made with Krista. And then for my birthday a few years ago, Krista got me this other ring, which has the signet of San Francisco on it. And every time I look at it, I'm reminded of our calling to this great city of San Francisco. And in the same way, what God is saying is as if you had a physical symbol, as if you were tying these as symbols to your heads and binding them to your forehead, I want you to fix these words of mine in your hearts and in your minds. Theologian Chuck Swindoll says, I know of no other single practice in the Christian life more rewarding practically speaking, than memorizing scripture. No other single exercise pays greater spiritual dividends. Your prayer life will be strengthened. Your witnessing will be sharper and much more effective. Your attitudes and outlook will begin to change. Your mind will become alert and observant. Your confidence and assurance will be enhanced and your faith will be solidified. Man, doesn't that sound amazing? Don't you want that? But the question that we're going to have to face is this. In our day and age, why memorize scripture when we have the Bible app at our fingertips? When we have Alexa and Siri and Google to look up any passages that we want to find related to any topic, now we have information and access right at our fingertips. So why do we need to memorize the Bible then? I could just open up my Bible app. We have to remember something. Back in Jesus' days, they didn't have immediate access to the scriptures the same way that we do. And so they would have to memorize the scriptures because they couldn't just pull it out. They didn't just have the scrolls in their drawer. They would have to memorize the scriptures. And even today, there are places like China where it's illegal to own a Bible. So for the underground church, the Bible is precious And I would hear stories about Christians passing around single pages of the Bible that were smuggled in because it's too dangerous to have all of the Bible in one place at one time. And so they would pass around these single pages of the Bible and they would memorize it and then pass it on to the next Christian. Why? Because they didn't have a choice and because that's how precious the word of God is to them. You know, maybe you've seen this video of Christians in China getting Bibles for the first time. It's so powerful how much 
reverence they have for the word of God, how precious the word of God is to them, and by necessity that they have to memorize that word. How powerful would it be if we hungered to get the word of God in us the same way that they do? The thing that we have to realize is this. There's a big difference between having the Bible in your hands and having the Bible within you. You know, let's be real. Think about the last time you faced a crisis. During the middle of that trial or that storm or that crisis, did you open up Google and search the Bible verses related to losing your job? Or did you ask Alexa, Alexa, find me a Bible verse about battling discouragement? Honestly, probably not. Because just because you have access to the Bible doesn't mean you've let the Bible have access to you. Let me say that again. Just because you have access to the Bible doesn't mean you've let the Bible have access to you, to your thoughts, to your feelings, to your perspective, to allow the truth of Scripture to shape you from within. And when we memorize Scripture, We allow God's truth to have access to every part of our lives. Theologian Dallas Willard says Bible memorization is absolutely fundamental to spiritual formation. If I had to choose between all the disciplines of the spiritual life, I would choose Bible memorization because it is a fundamental way of filling our minds with what it needs. The book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. That's where you need it. How does it get in your mouth? Memorization. And so we have these two heavy-hitting theologians, both saying the same thing. Out of all the spiritual disciplines, memorizing scripture is absolutely essential to spiritual formation. In other words, in looking more and more like Jesus, in living the life that God has called us to live, scripture memorization is a key discipline in accomplishing that. And what Dallas Willard is saying is you can't bring out of you what you haven't put within you. Think about Jesus in the wilderness. We covered it a few weeks ago. Jesus out there in the wilderness, in the desert, the enemy comes to him and attacks him head on. Jesus doesn't have a Bible app. He doesn't have Alexa or Siri. He doesn't have access to the scriptures. But he didn't need the scriptures in front of him because it was already in him. And it was the key to overcoming the enemy. Now, I want us to look at John chapter 15, 4 through 7. We're going to find very key verses here that that illustrate this further. Starting from verse 4. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. Now here's the key verse. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. I think a lot of times we look at this this passage, 
You say, yeah, abiding in Christ, I want to bear much fruit. I don't want to be like those branches tossed into the fire. I want to be living a fruitful life. So I got to abide in Christ. But we forget this one passage and we remember, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. But we forget, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. In other words, how do we abide in Christ? We let his words abide in us. In other words, we let his words live in us. Colossians 3.16, Paul writes, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Now, to illustrate this, I want you to imagine that you are a house, okay? And you can look like whatever you want in your future house. Just imagine that you yourself are a house. And every part of you is a room. Your thoughts is a room. Your feelings is a room. Your worldview is a room. Your body is a room. Abiding in Christ is like filling the rooms of your house with the words of God. Abiding in Christ is letting the scriptures be your new housemates. And maybe the posture that we need to take is we need to tear down all the spiritual Craigslist ads we put up to occupy our lives and say, God, I want your words to dwell here more than Netflix, more than anything else. I want your words to dwell in this house. And when we memorize scripture, we're inviting the words of God to fill our house. And here's the beautiful thing. If we look back at that passage in John, when his words abide in us, we begin to bear fruit. Now, what's this fruit Jesus is talking about? I want to go to Galatians 5, through 23. Paul writes, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. In other words, when God's words abide in us, we begin to bear love. We begin to bear joy. We begin to bear peace. We begin to bear patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. We begin to bear gentleness and self-control. Doesn't that sound amazing? Don't you want more love, more joy, more peace, more self-control in your life? Well, we have to understand that what seed you plant will determine what fruit you bear. If you plant an apple seed in your backyard, you're not going to get a mango tree. And I think some of us are expecting to bear the fruits of the Spirit when we've never even planted the seeds of God's words. When we memorize Scripture, we're planting the seeds that will one day bear these beautiful fruits in our lives. Now, here's the thing about seeds that we have to understand. When you plant a seed, you might not see the fruit immediately. Case in point, you ever read the Bible and think, well, I got nothing out of that. I don't understand. Like if you were in CG this past week, we're reading about this really hard to understand passage. Well, got nothing out of that. Maybe you got nothing out of it in that moment, but you can be assured that at least you got the words 
within you. The seeds have been planted. And when we memorize scripture, we're planting and we're cultivating those seeds. And even if we don't see the fruit immediately, you never know what fruit will come from the seed you planted seasons ago. I was in Hong Kong in 2011. We were on this tour through many Southeast Asian countries. We went to Hong Kong, Cambodia, South Korea, and we're visiting random churches, and we had a worship band with us. I was rapping. Uh, We're sharing the message of God's word. We're doing amazing work, and I found myself in Hong Kong, and one Sunday— Um, They assigned random preachers to these different churches and ministries where we'd go and just preach for their Sunday service. And so I got selected to go preach at a church. And this was in 2011. I had not preached many sermons, maybe one or two in my life. And so I was so, so nervous. And so I, they send me to this church. I'm by myself. I think I had one ministry partner with me. I walk through the door and I see 150 Filipino women sitting there just waiting for me. I'm like, God, well, first of all, I'm not too uncomfortable with this because I grew up in Daly City. But for my first preaching gig, you want me to preach in front of 150 middle-aged Filipino women. And so worship is going on. I'm sitting there. I'm in my head. I'm nervous. I'm like, how am I going to do this? I've only preached a few times. How am I going to relate to middle-aged Filipino women when I'm a young Asian? Like, what am I going to do? And all of a sudden, a passage comes to mind. Acts 1-8. It was a, a scripture that I had memorized a few years back while I was engaging a lot of missions, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And for some reason in that moment, the fruit started to be born. I started to remember when I receive power, the Holy Spirit will come on me and I will receive power and I will be your witness, God, in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth, to Hong Kong, to Cambodia, to Korea. And all of a sudden, power and peace started flooding into my soul. I got up there. I tell you what, there's a handful of times where I, felt, where I really feel like I killed it preaching. That was one of them. It was such a powerful time in that, in, that, in that room with 150 Filipino women, and God's presence felt so strong. And I believe that one of the fruits that were born was that moment when I had memorized Acts 1-8. I had no idea when the fruit would be born, but in that moment, the fruit came. I think the fruits of memorizing Scripture may not come immediately, but they will come. And so it's important that we plant those seeds, we cultivate those seeds, because we never know when we might need them. I think the fruits of memorizing scripture really come out in seasons of hardship. You know, the trials of life have a way of bringing out what's buried deep within us. You see what someone's truly made of when things get hard. You see what's truly in someone. Not when life is easy, but when life gets hard, you see what people are really made of. You see what's inside of them. You know, recently Chadwick Boseman passed away after a four-year-long battle with colon cancer. But if you look at his life for the past four years, you wouldn't have known that he was fighting for his life. 
I mean, in addition to portraying amazing black heroes like Jackie Robinson, James Brown, Thurgood Marshall, King T'Challa, Black Panther, you know, he also visited terminally ill children in the hospital. He's continually pouring out during a time when he had every right to focus on himself, his own health, his own well-being. He continued being a hero on and off screen. We saw who Chadwick really was, not when everything was going well in his life, but in the hardship, in the trial, in the cancer. And I think one of the reasons why his tweet right now is the highest retweeted, highest liked tweet in all of Twitter history is because people saw what was inside of him. Because in the season where he had every right to focus on himself, in a season of trial and hardship, you really saw what he was made of. Wakanda forever. And I think the trials of life have a way of bringing out what's buried deep within us. My question is this, when you face your trial, it might not be cancer, it might be you losing your job, it might be one of your family members struggling, it might be this or that. But when you face your trial, what will come out? Will it be hopelessness? Will it be bitterness? Will it be disillusionment? Or will it be hope? Will it be peace? Will it be joy? Will it be strength? Fill your mind with God's words and you'll have no room for the devil's lies. And the question I want to ask you is this, what have you been storing up? What seeds have you been planting? If we hope to bear the fruits of the Spirit and live a fruitful life, we have to plant God's words. We have to let them abide in us. And so I want to get to the practical. The question is, is how do we memorize scripture? Many of you probably have memorized tons of scripture if you grew up in the church, if you've been to youth retreats, if you've been part of Awana, and you've memorized scripture in the past, but you can't for the life of you remember any of them, or maybe just a few of them, right? And so how do we do this thing where it's not just in that week or in that moment we have these scriptures memorized, it doesn't become this task-oriented thing that has no life, no meaning. How do we memorize scripture? Now, scientists estimate that we remember one out of every 100 pieces of information we receive. One out of 100. They say if we remembered everything, we would be paralyzed by information overload. And so we have to understand this. A good memory must be selective. In the words of Eugene Peterson, he says, we should not be interested in knowing more, but in becoming more. And so we have to choose those passages. We have to choose those verses wisely that we want to commit to memory that helps us become more, become more like Christ, bearing the fruit of the Spirit. And so maybe you're not going to memorize genealogies or Old Testament laws, or maybe you are. Maybe you get a kick out of that. But we're going to memorize those verses that help us become more and more like Jesus, help us bear the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And one way that we can help just like weed out what verses that we want to get within us is through meditation. And so we're going to actually go through a three-step process to help us engage in memorizing scripture. The first is meditate. The second is memorize. And the third is repeat, MMR. Meditate, memorize, repeat. Let's start with meditate. 
What is meditation? Meditation is like chewing on the text. Imagine with me for a second that you're biting into a big, juicy piece of steak, or maybe it's prime rib. Maybe you're at House of Prime Rib, and it's open, and pandemic is over, and you're biting into that big, juicy piece. And as you chew, the flavors are bursting in your mouth, and you're drawing all of the different flavor nodes with each chew. Oh my gosh, I almost drew a little bit. When we meditate on Scripture— It's like we're chewing on that steak. We're drawing flavor from the text. And with each chew, different flavor notes are being hit. As we chew, more nutrients are being drawn out. We are creating space to enjoy his word, to draw life and meaning from it. In a discipleship process I was in many years back, um, our pastor had us memorize Romans 8. And if you know Romans 8, it's 39 verses. It's not just like 10 verses. It's 39 verses. And so we spent that year memorizing Romans 8. And I got through the whole thing. I memorized Romans 8, 1 through 39. But ask me today to recite Romans 8, 1 through 39. I could not do it. But there are parts that I remember from Romans 8 Because I learned to draw deep meaning from them. I remember knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I remember, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. There are key verses that I remember in Romans 8, because I meditated on a few key verses and I drew life from them. I drew the flavor from them. I extracted the meaning from them. You know, Ed Cook, who I'm going to talk about a little more, he's known as the grandmaster of memory. And he says this, what our memories reveal is that our nervous system is tuned to anything that excites emotion, that's personally interesting, that's colorful, unusual, and above all, anything that's personal. And when I think about the few verses that I remember from Romans 8, even though I memorized the whole chapter, What I notice about the few verses that I still remember is that I made them deeply personal. I meditated on them and they are particularly relevant for me in that season. And so we have to choose and meditate upon the verses that are actually meaningful for us. And so step one is meditate. Number two, memorize. Ed Cook, who I just mentioned before, he's known as the grandmaster of memory. And he would do these competitions where they would see how many ones and zeros randomly generated that they can memorize in order. So it could be like one, 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 zero, 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 one, one, one. And they'd have to memorize and see how many ones and zeros they can memorize in order. He hit 2,500 ones and zeros in order. That's crazy. And I remember um, learning a, a party trick from him, from his methods, where basically you can assign 1 through 20, any random 20 objects, and he will help you commit them to memory, where you could say number 3, and you'll tell them this object, number 4, this object, number 6, this object. And I remember doing this, and I used to really impress my friends with it. I'll show you guys sometime. But he gives these few tips on how to remember things, how to memorize things in a meaningful way. And so I'm just going to share a few that were personally highlighted to me that I think will be beneficial for our community. The first thing is this, set music to remember. Do you know how much of our memory space is occupied by song lyrics? 
Come on, let's see if you can repeat this after me. My loneliness is killing me. I know you know it. Yo, I tell you what I want, what I really will. Right? We all know it. I'm just a poor boy. Nobody loves me. He's just a poor boy from a poor family. Right? We remember all these song lyrics. Why? Because there's something about music that helps us associate memory. You know, the one passage that I remember from elementary school, I think I shared this a while back, is be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Ephesians 4.32, ba-da-da. Right? There is a strong correlation to music and memory. And so find creative ways of making songs or making lyrics out of the verses that you're memorizing. He suggests that putting something to music will help you memorize it better. I think there's a lot of resources online with people who do this, who put Bible verses to music. And so that's one way that that Ed Cook recommends that you memorize things. Number two, write to remember. Studies show that there is a strong correlation to handwritten notes and tied to memory. And so that's why it's no coincidence that our teachers in elementary school would always have us write reflection papers. You remember those on the books we would read after each chapter? Because it helps us remember. And so one, one way that he recommends memorizing something is writing it down consistently. And so maybe you're memorizing a verse and you're going to write it in your journal for that day. Next day, you're going to write it again. Next day, you're going to write it again. There's something about writing that helps us remember. And the third thing he recommends is recite to remember. There's something about reciting out loud, physically, repetition that helps us remember. My pastor, Pastor Benjamin, at the last church I was at, he was um, a firm believer in reciting. And so even from Romans 1, 8, 1 through 39, we would have to recite those verses out loud seven times in a row. And I found that it really did work. There's something about reciting that helps us remember. And so maybe you're, you're memorizing a Bible verse and you would recite it seven times that day until you've committed it to memory. And so step one, meditate. Step two, memorize. And we can set music to remember, write to remember, or recite to remember. And step three is repeat. Repeat what you've memorized, what you've meditated upon in the shower. Repeat it on your commute. Repeat it in bed at night. Repeat it on your run or in your workout. Repeat it at random times of the day. Meditate, memorize, and repeat. Now, to help us memorize, we've compiled a list of helpful verses to get you started. And we're going to link that in our notes section. We're going to send it in the email. And you could go through this list and choose verses that stick out to you. Verses that you feel like will, will really bear fruit in your lives. Meditate on them. Memorize them. And repeat. And I want you to see what a difference it makes in your life. With all that said, we are leaning further into nostalgia and we're hosting a memory verse competition later this month on Friday, September 25th. We're going back old school. We're doing a grown adults memory verse competition. Grand prize for first place is going to be a brand new set of AirPods. And so you have to sign up by next Sunday to participate. And we're going to pull verses from the list that we're giving you. And we're going to see who remembers the most. That's not fun. Sounds really fun. Well, church, 
I pray that you would be inspired to memorize scripture, not doing it to win AirPods or to eat a meal like back at youth cramp, but because you see the beauty of having God's words abide in you. What if we could be a house who have hidden the word of God in our hearts, that we're a people who bear the fruits of the Holy Spirit because we've planted the seeds of scripture within us, That when people come and they see our lives and they see the storms of life coming our way and the trials coming against us, we have God's truths and promises loaded, ready to go because we've stored it within us. Let's do this, church. Let's memorize scripture. Let's tap into this powerful discipline. As so many faith, uh, heroes of the faith have emphasized as being key to our spiritual formation. Let's get the word of God in us and let's bear the fruits that God has called us to bear in our lives. Let's pray. Hey God, we thank you so much for your goodness. And we thank you, Lord, for giving us your word. We thank you, God, that we have this, these tangible words, this tangible scripture that we can have abide in us, that we can have fill the rooms of our house, fill our thoughts, fill our emotions, fill our, our lives so that we could bear the fruit that you've called us to bear, so that we could begin looking more and more like you, so that we can step into the fullness of who you are. God, we thank you. Would you inspire us today to abide in you by letting your words abide in us? And as we meditate, memorize, and repeat, I pray that we would see the fruitfulness that you have promised in our lives. We love you. We honor you. I pray that you would make this more than just a heartless discipline, but we would really see the fullness of life through it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.